right, we're right here. We've got a special guest taking over the interviewing with Bill Dundee. We've got uh, former Power Pro wrestling promoter and owner, Randy Bells. Come on in, Randy. Hey, how you doing, Rex? Doing great. You know, can I throw something in here real quick? I am so excited and so happy because I've known Bill Dundee since 1975. And, of course, Bill is always the center of attention. And we've done hundreds of television interviews together and we've done hundreds of radio interviews together and hundreds of podcasts together and Bill just because he is the one and only superstar he kind of takes all the attention away and he does most of the talking and the reason I am excited today is because Bill is having a little uh, trouble with his voice today and so Bill does that mean that I get and Rex does that mean we get to do more of the talking, and you're going to be a little more laid back than ever. It's a miracle. Yeah, it'll be a boring show today. No, folks, no, no. Oh, no, okay. But you're right. You're right. I'm talking. Started off with a hiccup. It's unbelievable. But anyway, a year ago. A year ago. Right. So I got a doctor's appointment that, that this week fixed it. So talk. All right, we'll talk. You know one thing, Rex, that I thought was interesting? I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, and they do top 10 list or top five list about whatever the subject matter. So so I was here yesterday hanging out, bumming around here with Bill and Donna. And so Bill asked me, he said, uh, he said Rex is coming tomorrow. You want to be on the podcast? And he said, my voice isn't very good. I said, yes. He said, why don't you get us some ideas of subjects to take a, talk about? And I got the idea of the list. And we have several uh, different ones. We have uh, the most influential people to Bill in his wrestling life. We have his favorite matches of all time. We got his favorite tag team partners of all time. And he's got his favorite territories of all time. And that's not a real long list because he got here in 1975 and heck, Bill, you never left. Not really. Just went to Louisiana and matter. Right. But most of the time, mainstay. Mainstay. So this will be good, Rex. Yeah, very good. Sounds like a very interesting list. Want to kick it off? Let's start. And then we'll ask you, uh, you've read my notes, but we'll ask uh, ask you after we go over the, the list if there's, there's anybody uh, that you think we left out, anybody that surprised you, that sort of thing, and we're going to veer off the list a tad because we've talked since then on some people so let's start uh from uh, from the start i know a little bit about your life and i had a little bit to do with the book if you uh, want the answers don't ask the questions i had a little bit to do with that yeah you had a lot to do with it i appreciate that that was you wrote writing my own book now yeah, that'll be interesting you'll say yeah. it's boring but it won't be <laughs> but uh let's start from the get-go about this and we'll expand on the first one let's just talk about your from Scotland, when you were 16 years old, you moved to Australia. Australia's where you got involved in wrestling uh, at the karate gym, right? Was it a karate gym yeah. or mixed martial? Whatever. Mixed, uh, well, it wasn't called mixed martial, but uh, just the karate. Mm. And I saw a poster on the wall of professional wrestling. I got the idea. I said to the guy, Who's that? He said, That's me and my brother. I said, You teach me to do that? He said, No, you. Too little. That's a mistake. So well, I can do this kung fu pretty good. <laughs> so that's how it all got started. Well, let's talk about the most influential people in that part of your life. Then we'll get through that. And I think we'll name uh, several. And then we'll get uh, to moving to America in 1975. But but you take it from the get-go, from those years, about the time of the year, if you can can remember, I would think the mid-60s or maybe yeah, the early 60s. mid-60s, yeah. Well, there was really a lot of people that was there, a guy by the name of Ken Fuder, he, he had a gym and I worked out there. The kid we just talked about, Clive Cormer, I went down that March, it was a large thing, he just beat other people. But it wasn't really American. I still Mark Lewin and Bobby Shane go into the picture with Jim Barnett being the promoter. Right. So, tell a little bit how uh, Morgan wrestling, especially back then, was a tough, tough, tough business. Right. With a lot of tough guys, and you just told me a few minutes ago 
that Hal Morgan, who I've never bad boy, bad son of a gun, tough son of a gun, tough son of a gun. He said, "Kid, I had gunmen walk around me." <laughs> uh oh, they did. He said, "Yeah, they crossed the road when they saw." Aren't you okay. glad we weren't in uh, Australia, right? Yeah, it's been a little better, a little better time here in these arenas now. No, no doubt about it. So, so Hal Morgan, Mark Lund, and then Bobby Shane. Uh, if you look at your overall career and think not only what if, but what if not, and the what if not, if you never met Bobby Shane, and you can tell a little bit about his history, I meant to do more research on him. Uh, but tell about Bobby uh, Shane and how we have to give him credit of hell right. for you being here. Right. So okay. what? Since the mid-60s, people would say, Dundee, you need to go to America to wrestle. But nobody helped you. But he said it. He did it. He said, I'll go call Jerry Jarrett, not who he called and said, Miss Christine did all the pa paperwork. And that's how it got stopped. But a lot of people had said it before and never did nothing. But he did, and here we are. So, you know, thanks to him. One of the things, and uh, Rex, if you hadn't noticed this or not, I'm going to tell you the most important thing. We're going to talk about great matches, great tag team partners, maybe big houses he's lived in, everything. But the most important thing, that's why he don't get caught up in, in the wrestling business that a lot of uh people do i won this match i lost this match i did this i did that what it's all about is money making money right bill right. and so what made i would i guess i could answer this question for you i would think uh that it's not about fame or it's about money or uh, how to make a living and support your family so i would think uh that you and george would want to come here uh, because you would hear, see all American wrestlers and everything, thing you thought you would be pushed better, and you thought uh, that you would make more money. Bottom line, is that right? Right. Well, they would, I mean, Austria was a big country, and you could only have ten, got ten or twelve guys on the court, and if you know it was, Morgan had a lot of wrestlers. So when we got the chance to come here, here we are. You know, I thought. I think the interesting thing, I'm going back and watch some, it was called World Championship Wrestling before there was the NWA, uh, Crockett World, yep. TBS. Jim Barnett. Yeah, with Jim Barnett. And he yeah, had that, that same thing in Australia, World Championship Wrestling. And now, in a time period of, I'd say, uh, late 70s, 80s, 90s, and even today, American wrestlers can make, can make a lot of money in Japan and all kinds of tours. From what I understand, the top American people, and let's tell the people a little uh, bit of Mark Lewin was one, King uh, Curtis, yeah, yeah, Kale, Kyle, yeah. name two or three more that were busy. It's called, it's called Murphy, Bernard, uh, the Anderson Brothers, not only, but another two. Lars and G. Lars and G. Yeah, so the, anybody, who was anybody in America? game to Australia. You told me a story uh, one time that not only did Bobby Shane tell you and then followed through that he would call Jerry Jarrett and get you in tennis uh, to see, but uh, you've also told me uh, that Bobby would, uh, I don't know if he's part of the booking or what or just being a nice guy, but he would uh, talk to you about your matches and uh, what the stuff you did, he kind of tried to give you advice on how to work like a drawing money right. wrestler, right? Right. Taking silly bumps, just to be taking silly bumps, don't don't mean nothing. And in 2018, watching the wrestling... That's what it is, oh, silly bumps. Silly bumps, and, and it limits your career. Right. I mean, it shortens your yeah. career. Your, can, I, can I tell the people? I'm sure we'll talk about it before. For can you believe because he doesn't look like it, Rick? October the 24th, he will be 75 years old. That might get heat, but you would no, can't get it. I think it's great. That, that party he was gonna have. I quit the job because oh, yeah. of somebody you don't yeah, like. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs>
No, no, not Lawler. We love Lawler. Oh, we love Lawler. Absolutely. Yeah, I got Make that clear. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about him in a yeah. minute. He's been a big influence on both of us, as a matter of fact. Yeah. We'll still get you a cake. We'll still get your birthday cake. Okay. If you're going to pay for it, I'm out of a job. <laughs> we'll find him one. I need to sell DVDs, man, and sell... What have you got? We're drawing. Well, I got all kinds of uh, DVDs. We're, for the first time ever, we're putting out um, the Power Pro Wrestling Collection, the first developmental center for the WWE. We debuted a lot of people, including Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan, but I, so far, I have it in different months. I've released in 1998, May, June, July, and uh, August, and I'll, I don't know when this airs, so I won't uh, look at my Facebook or my Twitter, and, and it keeps up with where I'll be, or phone number on there, you can call and order it on online but that's with debit cards i'd rather have the cash hey so, but, so the, the episodes are slowly being released so yeah a month at a time so the first uh tables may i can't get april to dub over the the first month and that's two shows may's five shows june's four sh- uh uh shows uh july's four shows and august is five shows so how, how many years or shows we did 154 shows. Oh, so at some point you're going to release them all so I can sit back and watch oh, yeah. from one all the way to the last one. Well, as a matter of fact, if I like the way this uh, podcast goes and you keep Bill from making fun of me and knocking me, Bill, look at this. Yeah. What is, what is that, Bill? Black socks. He was fussing at me yesterday. He said the Archie Bunk- Bunker look. Right, Bill? socks. Is this okay? Good. To Black, me, this yeah. feels worse because I'm wearing warm-ups, real nice yeah. warm-ups. My real nice Johnny Cash shirt. Oh, Johnny shirt. Cash, get over with me now. Yes, over with you. I have been for a long time, most of the time. Anyway, my black socks, to me, dress socks with tennis shoes and warm-ups don't go together, but you were griping about me yesterday, and Donald was too, so here I am with black dress well, socks you, you on. can get black sport socks too, just like the white ones are just black. Oh, can you? Yeah. I don't even know. So back to Bobby Shane. So Bobby right. Shane was was telling you how to do it. He then uh, calls uh, Jerry Jarrett, and let's talk about the other key point with Bobby Shane was, and let's don't we'll get to him in a minute. But your tag team partner, obviously, we'll jump ahead. Uh, he's in the top five of the most influential people, and we can get to that that right now too. That makes more sense. But George Barnes was your tag team partner there in Australia. And so Bobby wanted to send both of you to America and basically, or didn't basically, he called Jerry Jarrett and said, I have a hell of a tag team that I I think could uh, draw you uh, money. So so it was you and George together. So so did, so many people had said they would help you and uh, didn't, did you think would, Bobby, that would be the the same thing that he's just telling you, or did you think he was a upfront quality? No, because you went right to the telephone call that day. Oh, really? You, right, right. You're right there. You said, I'll get on the phone right now. What time is it in the States? He figured out Janet would be awake or not. But anyway, he called and got him, and here, here we are. So, how painful was it to have to wait a year? You were excited. That was your goal. You wanted to do this. But then I can't imagine. It's, it's, I know. I know how you are. Or you have no patience None. at all. So I can't imagine you get uh, thirty seconds. If somebody's late thirty seconds, you get fired up. I can't imagine waiting out uh, one year. I can't imagine that, Bill. No, it would, you know. But what could you do? And there's nobody you could call. So you're just the kind waiting. Do you hey, know much about the Bobby hey, Shane? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Actually, did Bill tell you that we came across going through his stuff last week, the actual real-to-real tape that he sent from Australia to Tennessee? Oh, really? Kind of like a highlight reel of showing what he could do and not do. Is it over there? Uh, yeah. Uh, the blue one. No, I didn't have any idea. Look Bill, at that. What the heck is that on? Uh, yeah. we so, gotta we got to figure out somebody reliable and... Transfer that to a required by Mr. Nick Doolis, nineteen seventy five wrestling promos. That that is pretty cool. So Bobby Shane, the idea was he thought like all 
people just going to go somewhere to book a territory and thinking about booking a territory wants their own crew, people that they think they draw money with, they have confidences, they trust them, they like them, and that sort of thing. So the idea was to get you guys in 75 to Memphis. And then uh, he was eventually scheduled to take over the matchmaking job, uh, booking Florida, matchmaking job there. And that never uh, happened. And we've often, often, often had the conversation that, man, you've been a mainstay in Memphis since 75, and that's uh, the main point people talk about of your career. So it would be altogether different. And I just don't know because if you would have stayed with George as a tag team, it would have been a different story. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a successful story, but I don't see how many people have stayed in one territory have the stability of darn near 45 years in one territory, and you're still here and still do bookings. So, so the Bobby uh, Shane getting killed in that plane wreck changed the plan. Right, and I hate to say it worked out best for Bill because you would have rather Bobby Shane not have that right, line, uh, right. But the, that was a big part of it uh, too, right? With Bobby yeah. Shane helping you, then uh, having that plane crash. Right. After the plane crash, George, George went home, and there was little Willie to that left, little Willie by himself. Your impressions, we talk about it in the book. Rex, have you ever been in San Francisco? No, I haven't. Well, do you want to go? Not really. Well, okay. <laughs> I've never been either. But if I remember the story, Car Talk, that it was a, first of all, I think it's admirable and remarkable that Bill, not many people, have you ever moved around the world? Because I certainly haven't. I've moved a lot, but not around the world. I've moved to, uh, to Tennessee. i moved to Missouri. And, and I, uh, I've never moved more than, well, Nashville's the biggest moving what's that 300 miles bill you've moved around the world twice as a 16 year old moving from scotland then as a 32 year old moving moving to to america your was your first stop in america or to catch another plane was your very first stop san francisco then if it was what did you think tell tell me and rex man and rex tell us about san francisco Australian man like to drink beer. So George, just want to go get a beer, mate? Uh, yes, sir. So we wander into the... Just thought, what's the pub? And we wander in, look around. And... George says to me, it's all man in here. Well, okay. <laughs> they don't look like the very manly man either. <laughs> I said, well, I think we're in a gay bar, George. Well, the whole... Th- San Francisco, they're all over the place. But nobody bothers. Drank with beer. So you fly to to Nashville. You think you're going to the wrestling office, I believe, the Sam Davis Hotel. You walk into the yeah. room. We's Australians. George Barnes and Moore, Bill and e, where's Jerry Jarrett? Where's Nick Gullis? And and it didn't work out real good. So the first stop in Nashville didn't exactly, there wasn't a welcoming party at Sam Davis for you. No. So tell that story. Well, that, when we did all the paper, paperwork, Sam Davis Hotel was on everything. Right. So we get off the plane from San Francisco, come here. So Sam Davis, so we wander in, and it's an old hotel then. So we said, oh, God. So that's probably one that got out of it, right? And it was, it was a big science officers of Nick Goulis. Well, we're in the right place. So we asked this old, old man a uniform on. Looked like he'd been there for a hundred years. Where's next to Gullis? He said, oh, he ain't here no more. We didn't know he'd moved up the brand new establishment, 8th Avenue South. So anyway, they give us a, as in we walk up there. Knock on the door. Nick Gullis comes and well, one of the students came, let us in and Nick said, his desk, Christine Jarrett, in there. Jarrett was, was in there, just Christine, Nick, and a couple of students. So that was the first meeting. How are you? So let's talk a little bit about Jerry Jarrett. Bobby had told you, said, well, Nick Gulas owns the company. 
But the guy you talk to, the guys that are in Memphis, the person you need to work for is Jerry Jarrett on his end of the territory, right. not Nick, Nick Gillis. So first impression of uh, Jerry Jarrett, and the first time you think, well, this son of a gun's pretty darn brilliant in the wrestling business. Right. So so first impression of Jarrett and how quick it took you to, to think, man, we're going to make money here. Well, I mean, he's it, not what you think you have in your head. All the rest of it, I, I'd seen with great big suckers in America. Jarrett's not much bit bigger than me, maybe an installer. Lighter. Yeah. Right. But very brilliant. Right. So he came in and shook hands and da da da. da, da told us, lay, laid out about a month's deep. Off we went. I say this about Eddie Marlin, Jerry Lawler said, says about the same thing with Lance Russell. I say if the, initially, if they, there wasn't uh, Eddie Marlin, there would be no Randy Hales. If there wasn't a Lance Russell, there wouldn't be no uh, uh, Jerry Lawler. And I think you would probably say, even though a lot of people have helped you, that there wouldn't, there wouldn't be, there might be a building need, there wouldn't be no superstar, pound for pound, the toughest no. son of a gun that ever came down the pipe. There wouldn't be no Bill Superstar Dundee if there wasn't for Jerry Jarrett. Now, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think I know. Well, that's true. Right. But, well, Bobby Shane got it. He knew Jarrett would like us. Right. Because he wasn't much bigger than us. Right, and, and the, I know neither one of us, I mean, we're from the era where talking a little uh, inside about wrestling, we don't like like doing that, but, but in this particular time, that Tennessee territory was known for the interns, and Don and Al Green, and the Von Bronners, do you remember those names, Ray? Yeah, those are familiar names. The big, big teams, and there's been so many. Big, ugly brutes. Big, ugly brutes. And uh, George, I wouldn't say that George would have uh, won a beauty contest. Uh, maybe yeah, he wasn't ugly. No, and he certainly wasn't huge. He wasn't me. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> and but anyway, so you guys would make uh, make the good guys your opponents. Whether it was Tommy Gilbert and Eddie Marlin, Eddie Marlin and Tojo Yamamoto, Jerry Jarrett and Jackie Fargo, Jerry Jarrett and Tojo. Or or whatever, you just didn't eat them up, and like you said, to taking the big uh, bumps, and and you did a thing where you go over the uh, top rope that was phenomenal. Uh, Jim White and Jerry Lawler was that sort of uh, team, right. and Jim was a little flaky, but they drew a lot of money. And then you came in at a time Lawler was going out because he was in trouble a little bit with Jarrett. Uh, so you you come in and it just fit. 1975, so I would have been 14 year, years old, and it's hard to remember what I did, Rex, yesterday. But I remember one interview, I remember a couple of different uh, things, and one you're going to have to help me with, but one thing I do remember is on television, watching Channel 13, before it went to Channel 5, this was in 75, Channel 5 got wrestling in 77. But you and George came out doing an interview, and y'all been beating... Uh, everybody won the Southern Tag Titles by uh, defeating Tojo and Ed, Eddie. Uh, but you did this interview, and just out of the, the blue, you started forearming and punching each other. I don't know if you ever saw that back in 1975. No. But I mean, they were knocking the crap. And so everybody watching would, would have to think, Two crazy son of a guns, they're hitting each other real, and they damn sure straight were. I mean, was that spur of the moment ad lib? Did Jarrett tell you to do that? No, he just did it. I mean, no, you and George didn't talk about it before? No. I think I hit him first. And then he hit you back? Right. The other thing, I grew up Jonesboro, Arkansas, going to matches. I hadn't even, uh, in 75, I hadn't even started announcing, certainly wasn't in the office, I was just a a kid, but I, I'd sell pictures, and I was the ring attendant where I'd get the jackets and the belt, maybe ring the bell or something like this. I remember uh, one thing, and you're going to have to help me on this, uh, Bill, but after the match, it was like almost George snapped and had a seizure or something, maybe not so much, but it was the the, the noise of the people. Do you remember this? That like The noise affected 
uh, George, and you had the doctoring. Yeah, or, or, you had to eat it and all that. Right. Yeah. Do you remember that? No, I don't know. He just, I, why he did it, he must have just thought that's what he needed, but he just did it, and I just went along, along with him, so. I'm going to have to knock current wrestling. I know we really don't need mm-hmm. to, to know this, but see, in today's landscape, and on a place where you could be making money, neither, neither thing, the beating each other up, up the the thing or consoling George, George, everything has to be approved. So the wrestlers uh, no longer become artists or control of their art or their sport or whatever. It's out of the wrestler's hands. And I, I know we've both seen a lot of wrestlers that we don't want them to have any. <laughs> and put, but for, for the people that drew money, man, you want, you want them to play their music. Um, out there in the ring, and you, you people are not allowed to do that uh, now at, at all. In '75, when they came in, Lawler gone as I uh, said, they beat Tojo and Eddie. They drew money with Tojo and Eddie. Then did a, a thing. Eddie was hurt, so Robert Fuller came in. Uh, I even think didn't they bring who else came in? Didn't didn't Dick the Bruiser maybe come yeah, in? Yeah, Dick the Bruiser would come in. So they brought people. Uh, in but so they were getting over they won uh, the the title and I'm sure everybody's worried because Lawler drew a, a lot of money here a lot of money uh, and then Jerry Jarrett usually doesn't do anything he can to keep but Jarrett was up his ass and says screw that I'll get somebody else and get uh, they'll get over and we can do it and that's what you guys did and the biggest money thing uh, early on is against the Fullers. Yeah. Ron, Robert, and Buddy. But with the fight for your life. <laughs> I can imagine uh, who who is the biggest fight, buddy. Dead. That was a night off, wasn't it? <laughs> a night off. <laughs> so that seven foot one was who monster. Ron was he the stiffest? Yeah. Would it go as far as stiffest would it go Ron, then Buddy, then Robert? Yeah. Robert was pretty cool. Right. So he was probably doing something to make himself happy before he got in the ring with you. Do you think, do you think he <laughs> no wasn't doing that? that? No, no, yeah. no. So Jerry Jarrett, then I think, I think the, well, first of all, we already said George went back home. So little Willie wanted to stay, stay here. Tell them about your, uh, your change uh, of direction and how you'd be per, uh, trade because because they ended up doing some several months after your team with Chris Chris Coat when George left and yeah. this and that, but kind of kind of for the most part mid card at best. Um, uh, you were main event with George, dropped down. I guess one they were trying to to think of a vision because Jarrett liked it from day uh, one. But the vision for what Bill Dundee would come was more Christine Jarrett right. than Jerry Jarrett. So she kept telling him every day he needs to be a good a good guy. He's too cute to be a bad bad guy. Oh, they have bad bad bodies that are cute. But she wanted me to be a baby baby face. And so that so how that happened in late seventy five in my briefcase over there, I've made notes researching for my book. I got the exact date, but we'll just wing it right. Uh, right now, so they had uh, that vision, and Jerry was finally listening to Christine, and boom, uh, had the interns as the top uh, bad guy tag team beat up Eddie, beat up Eddie Marlin, and there was a little thing where you had a, little, a halfway t- uh, argument with them, or there's something where you wouldn't exactly you had to be Jerry. I'm sure told the story. There was a logical reason. I don't, and I don't remember the reason. I don't know if Lance Russell just said, anybody, anybody, oh, he's going to get killed, blah, blah, blah. I don't know the story, but that well, was a big part of the right. I Remy slapped me, the manager, before all that oh. took place when I went out and said, hey, leave him alone. Right. Then slap, <laughs> and then here you went. Then in 1976, a big part of the career, uh, was when Big Bad John, big old mean bad guy, uh, was Jarrett had the vision, or maybe Big Bad John had the vision to turn him to the bicentennial baby because it oh, was. Oh, that was Jarrett. Because that was the the bicentennial year. 
So he was the first person to buy Centennial, baby, Big Bad John. And from now on, this is the Superstar. So the Superstar right. gimmick started in 76. 77 is when Jerry Jarrett broke off from Nick um, and uh, at that point and formed his own uh, company and the program with uh, Jerry Lawler that still goes on. People still, that's probably the most frequently asked question you get, and people will ask them, wait till you, we get into whether it's today or later, best matches. I could have gone the top 10 with all Dundee Lawler matches, but I didn't think that was the right way to go, but it, it would have been the truth. The truth, um, so, so there's just uh, uh, so much there. So I, th- I think we talked about the Australian people, we talked about Jerry Jarrett, gave Christine a little uh, credit. We didn't say anything really good or bad about Nick, but uh, I mean, do you want to throw in Nick or no, no, do, do we pass? It's all right, we pass. Okay. Hey, Randy. So you're saying, Bill, that the superstar was born when Big Bad John referred to you yeah. as a superstar? In yeah. Yeah. yeah, 1976. 76. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, I can YouTube and show you the interview. It's on on YouTube. It's, uh, and you might have it on one of your DVDs. Probably, but I don't know. And it stuck and you ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it was him telling you, and, and then the announcers picked it up. I mean, Bill didn't yeah. call himself a superstar at first. Uh, it went from Big, Big John to Dave and Lance, and then finally uh, on the advertising, on the newspaper ad, they put Bill Superstar Dundee. Uh, then he started embracing it. So I think now after Jared, I think we have to go to Lawler. Yeah. As one of the most influential. Uh, was it magic from uh, day one? I don't re- really know if he didn't like me, and I didn't re- really like him at the beginning. So, so you know how that works when you you get in the ring. You don't care what what you do. So, with a few potatoes there here here and there, but the the match got over, and that was the mate. In the back of your mind, in the back of his mind, it could have been as simple as you got here, got over, drawing big money. And then all of a sudden they brought Lawler back, and you could have thought, that son of a gun, they're going to give him the spot to. He he screwed up, and now he's getting it back. Uh, and his spot was, hey, when I went away, they they grabbed my uh, spots. I don't know if either one of that's uh, accurate. You both uh, wanted, wanted to be top, but it was pure magic, and, and the flares and the steamboat boats that people uh, talk talk about they they drew, mo- they drew money in the Carolina but uh, two different runs both runs lasted a year or two uh, piece I was looking at attendance uh, figures last night 11,000 11,000 10,000 10, and you compare it with the other uh, stuff you and all are magical all together and the matches wrecks are magical and and the stipulations of the the matches and it starts like in the first grade level and it goes to master degree in college level as for thought process on the book and it start started with uh with him and bad bad Leroy brown who Lawler was the general king and was managing and, and bill Bill sur- survived. This is a big push. Finally, Lawler was aggravated that Leroy couldn't get the job done. Uh, and I think if something simple with Lee, well, you got over because because in a 10-minute time limit match, he said he could beat you, Leroy, he could beat you twice in 10 minutes. He beat you once in 10 minutes. He didn't the second uh, time. So that's Bill losing once, getting a rear end kick, but was more over than right. if he would have beat Leroy right. in that first match. Right. Th- then the stipulation came along oh, as as they built this th- thing, but just a basic ma- match with uh, Lawler and Dundee. First one, I think you uh, you won, and then you won the, the title, and, uh, and uh, then Lawler uh, said that he'd... Uh, uh, put his car at his Cadillac. What wasn't that too? That's like you won that. And you had a ca- Cadillac, and then he he put his Heritage State 
stake against the Cadillac, he won that back. And so it went on and on and on. Finally, uh, at this point, um, he it was your hair against Mickey Poole, the manager's hair, the manager after Sam Bass was killed in 76. Uh, but Mickey's hair was at stake, and you beat him. So then the next, uh, finally it got down to hair versus hair, Dundee and Lawler, a sellout. And, and Bill was, because Lawler, back that that time, we got to talk to him because he cheated in that thing. I, I know you should have won the match. But then, one of the most interesting and compelling stipulations of a match. Where do you go after that? I mean, it's over. Well, I'll tell you where you go with, with that. Uh, I think at that point, and you take it from here, because at that point, I think they thought that was a blow-off. However, then they got to, to talking and discussing, uh, probably Jarrett and you and Lawler. Yeah, all Lord, they were all, the three, three of you was there. So, so uh, tell me how the next stipulation, which ended up the blow-off for right then, we revisited but tell me how this next stipulation So started. we were sitting there kind of half-assed. Did that, did, you know, down a little bit because, you know, where, you, where are you going? Where are you going? For? So a lot of sitting over there, just, you know, he sits. So Jared said, do you think Beverly would go for a hit? And Lord, he liked that. You know, like that. He said, do you think you would? I don't know if I ain't go home. So anyway, I, I go home and I say, hey, Beverly, we need your help next Monday. What do you want me to do? I said, well, real simple. Just sit in a chair and let him <laughs> cut your hair. <laughs> oh, fuck you, she said. <laughs> well, okay. So anyway, a couple of days of talking. Told her much hair cut spade back in them. She said, can I keep it? I said, yeah, you can keep it. So anyway, she went for it. The rest is history. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the influence on Lawler, and you've done more originally town matches, but one day WWE World Tag Team titles together. Yeah, we could have a whole year of shows not talking about that, and when we get into the, I don't know if we're doing it today or later, because this is, is going pretty good just talking about five people uh, but but there's just so much you can spend talking about the matches you and Lawler have but obviously uh, on this list I think think obviously most people that known for a while would have known Bobby Shane I heard the Hal Morgan and the Mark Lewin I, I obviously didn't because I didn't put them on the, the list of course Jerry Lawler we brushed over a little bit George uh, Barnes, a little bit about uh, George, the chemistry uh, you had together and just the fact that he was a tough son of a gun and how much people still today in 2018 still talk about George Barnes and Bill Dundee in that 1975. Right? So talk a little bit about George, how much he meant to your career because it wasn't much of your uh, American career. I think he was gone by May or June, wasn't he? Yeah, it's about three months. Right. So, a little bit about George. Well, you said it, he was a tough son of a gun. and Well, his, per his personality was the same. You saw on TV, he would fight the drop of a hat. He would just, he, he was just a, a tough guy. And he loved wrestling. And him, him and I was, what would you say? We wasn't jealous of one. If he did something in the ring, it got over. Great. If I did something, great. So we knew it was a team. How much age so difference between the two two of you, and which way did it go? Oh, I was the oldest. And you were 32 when you got here. Yeah. So George would have probably been 29 or something. Oh, is that right? I, I didn't re realize that. I hadn't thought to, to ask. But uh, So of that run in Memphis as a tag team, uh, for basically the, it was versus uh, started with Eddie uh, and uh, Tojo Tojo and a variety of uh, partners including Dick the Bru Bruiser and other people worked 
a few times maybe with with uh, Fargo or Jared yeah. Jared and somebody, Jared and Tojo or Jared and Far Fargo, uh, and then of course the uh, the Fuller uh, deal. Uh, for that was the first time you lost, you know, with the, with the forwards, but so so tell me, what's your favorite part of the run with George Barnes in Tennessee? The favorite part of everything we just talked about right now. Well, back in the good old days, everybody could work, so all the matches was usually pretty good. But I enjoyed the the fuller thing because we beat Buddy up and Robert and Ron weren't talking to one another before we did the deal and they got back to get and that, the six man tag to play. There was a story. Uh, yeah, it was right, typical right. Jerry Jarrett. Right. Now you, I got to argue with you about the, uh, this because because most Bill Dundee matches I've ever seen in my life have been very good above the standard way above the standard. However, I remember seeing, and we have it here somewhere, I remember seeing a match, and there's no way oh, this that you can tell me that this was good. What I was looking to tell you, this match in Louisville, Kentucky, was George and Bill against Tojo and Eddie, and Eddie attempted a sunset flip on George that was absolutely the dangest thing I've ever seen before, uh, before or after Eddie Breastless Heart, we both love him, but but he wasn't used to working like you guys were right. were wrestling. So do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. That goofy sunset flip? The sunset because George said, sunset flip me. He said, I don't know. He said, oh yeah, you're doing. He just shot, shot him off into the ropes. And you know how it come off. Absolutely. So you like the fuller time bit, uh, better. Yeah. I would say the Hoker or we're um, in Memphis. You have to say the the program with Waller. That's oh well, that, yeah, on that, but just on what a, a match. I like the six man tag with the foolish. Right. So the final thing is that you were here seventy five, uh, and, and then did the loser leave in eighty three and went away. Came right back. That's a long story, but uh, went to. To help Ole Anderson, he was running Atlanta, and he got too big too soon. So the Chattanooga and the Georgia spot shows weren't doing good. You went to do TV in Chattanooga and take over that, and Ole didn't just get it. What they should have had you do is book the whole territory there. Uh, they eventually went out of uh, business pretty qu uh, quickly, but you didn't have any input on that at all. But in 84, you have to credit Jerry... Jarrett for not shutting the door door on it. So the final person we're going to talk about, Rex, that was a big influence uh, on Bill's career, is uh, from Oklahoma. He's the big cowboy. Bill calls him the Hat. Bill Watts. Well, there, that, that was his nickname before I, I got there. But he came down to his, his therapy. Was was it doing good? Right. So he come down to talk to Jared about switching Because we were popping. Right. Yeah. Was on fight. So he comes into the office in that big house. Jared hit up there and had his bill. So they're talking to it. Then they make all the deal. So I'm just sitting in the chair, not saying nothing. So Jared looks at Watts and he said, You ought to hire that little suck over there for your booker. Would you like to go to Louisiana? I said, yeah. Well, I can guarantee you this. You won't have a week below $3,000. I went, every week, $3,000 for threes or twelve. <laughs> you got a deal, sir. So off we went. Now, go home and tell Beth. We're moving to Louisiana. Once we got there, she liked it. Jamie liked it. We sent him to private school down there, military school. Like You're doing a bit of good. Oh, that two years did. <laughs> was when he got away. So I think Jared's thinking why they made the agreement on the talent 
It was Terry Taylor, and it was the Rock and Roll Express, and it was Bobby Eaton, and it was Dennis Condren, and it was Jim Cornette, and others, later Dutch. There's others. But the main thing he knew, because he and Waller had gone, flown to a TV taping in Shreveport, or wherever the Iris McNeil boy yeah. was. Is that Shreveport? Shreveport, yeah. So so they, they went to, uh, there, and basically... They didn't have young, good-looking guys to, uh, that the right. girls would pay for. They didn't have. They had big, tough. I mean, the toughest territory in the world. I mean, tough, tough, tough dudes, but not real exciting. Uh, and you want tough dudes, so you have to balance it right. But I think Jerry Jarrett knew uh, that uh, Bill Watts or Ernie Ladd or whoever was looking at it was him would have no clue in how to get that crew over. Right. If you didn't go, but everybody else did, the, the history wouldn't have happened. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, watch good. It was different. It was a bigger territory. Right. You made more money. I don't know if you did or not, because yeah, more money, rest of it. money. But no, no gimmick money. You made... Oh, yeah, so, but he just sold and paid you by check. Right. So, so... Longer trips, even though Tennessee is 2,000 miles a week, a lot more two-lane roads, uh, and, and the pace of that, and his personality was a heck of a lot different than Jerry Jarrett. Jerry yeah. Jarrett was laid back, but you always knew what he was thinking. Hey, Randy, read that. I ran across a quote about of Bill Watts. There are no bad ideas, just some ideas, mainly mine, are better. That's, <laughs> so that's what you walked into. That's what, that was it. And, uh, but I've got to say, he, 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 he figured it out. Right. And Ole never did. No. At all. So, he figured it out it takes done to run the screw. So, he just never said nothing. Right. And you, one of the first record-setting things uh, you did, because he was established top... A star there, but then he'd gone into the promotion, and everybody knew he was uh, the boss. He had quit wrestling, and and a, a deal you went for a Super uh, Dome uh, event. It, it was Stagger Lee, who was Junkyard Dog, who had lost the loser to the town match, and Watts against the Midnight Express and Cornette was some kind of silly stipulation. Cornette had to wear a dress or bottle or something. I don't remember. And uh, so that two years was the biggest run uh, they they right. ever had so to give you the opportunity to make bigger money and to not be just established as a Tennessee guy Watts presented it somewhat more serious um, even though Jerry Jarrett always preached keeping it real but at times you, you know had some silly yeah. silly stuff and you told me the story before I mean it had to be a, a logical uh, in in Bill Watts' mind, uh, like it, he would ask you questions. If you had something in mind for somebody to use a belt, he yeah. would say, "How do they get the belt?" Right. Attention to the, the. I love that quote. As a matter of fact, you watch much of Bill Watts? Uh, that's where I grew up, Mid South and Memphis. Where did you? Uh, Leland, Mississippi, near Greenville. So I got oh, Greenwood, yeah. Greenville, and Jackson, and well, that's uh, cool. And so I, I as a kid, didn't understand hanging out of the dressing rooms in the parking lots when the time was changing and the Rock and Roll Express and all of his excitement, I saw the superstar eating a hamburger outside <laughs> the Greenwood Civic Center. And I, so that night I sat on the edge of the seat thinking, he's coming out, he's coming out. He never did. He and he never did the next week and the next week. Well, let me ask you this. I've never asked you this uh, before. I said at the beginning of this, is about money to you. However, you are a pretty, pretty cocky type of fella. Right, right. So ego wise, was that you went from being the top guy, uh, good guy, guy in in Memphis before you left, you know, you bad guy again. But you top on top for so more merchandise than anybody in the history of the territory that still goes today. Somebody might like the Fabs might have had a good run, but man, you were over like uh, Rover. So now, and it's not a bad philosophy, 
uh, you see so many people just bookers who wrestle and they push themselves when they should have. I'm sure not knowing you, that was Watts' concern. And Ernie Ladd at the time he was booking, he wasn't wrestling at the time anyway. But how ego-wise was that an issue or did the money make up for it that you, uh, for the first half of that run, finally you just said, I'm going to wrestle. Uh, but the first half of that run, the most successful part of the run, um, first time they've ever seen the Tennessee stuff. Any kind of ego about Bill Dundee being uh, only the boss? No. Uh, Chet made a lot of difference, but, but I, I was still in the business. Right. But even today, uh, when you don't have to, I don't want to really throw out too much personal issue, you don't need the money. I mean, you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to wrestle oh, no. right now. Jerry Lawler don't need the money, and he's 68 years old. Um, he don't need the money, but both of you still today, 68 and almost 75, you'll like doing it. That's what you are, a wrestler, and even though he's a great artist and draw money booking, did all kind of great announcer and all that, he considers himself a wrestler, so he still does it. Because he, you know, you can go do beat and greets um, and make good money. Uh, but he feels he's a wrestler. You feel you're yeah. a wrestler, right? Yeah. But Jackie Fargo told me a long time ago when I used to go over there, he said, Come on, Fargo, we need you Monday night. Oh, I don't want to do that. But I don't want to do it. And I would sit and talk to him for a while. And he would eventually do it. He said, the day will come for you when you don't want to get in your car and go drive off the road. I said, no, that, but it's, it's getting close. For, for sure. So the watch uh, thing, very good experience, right? Right. And you don't regret going? No. Do you regret leaving him and coming back to Tennessee for that run that ended up with the uh, Lose Your Leave Town where you beat all or that thing that point? You said, man, he beat me in Lose Your Town. Then you beat him in Little League Town, but what that led to is the last ever sellout at the Mid-South Coliseum because the Nash, the dirty bad guys you were, Buddy Landell and Bill Dundee, beat the heck. It all started a match, and, and the, the the you would call him at the time Jabroni, you and the poor guy just passed away, Jim Jamison. Yeah. I've never seen somebody take sets of beating as you, and it was you more than Buddy you had that mean streak I mean bad <laughs> beat him up then afterwards you beat up the referee Jeff Leonard who happened to be Jeff Jarrett who uh, was never thought that started and, yeah. and yeah and beat up him and, and then Lawler had lost that loser leave town match Jerry Jarrett tried to save his uh, son uh and everybody knew he was blind in one eye, and you tried to knock his other eye out. You were evil and you're terrible. You're disgusting. Yeah. But, man, the people were mad wanted you to see, wanted to see both of you guys to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Jerry Jarrett did an interview and was crying, and human feelings are right. If your son was getting beat up and you couldn't do anything about it, that would be very hard to take and very emotional. You're right. So then Eddie Marlin came... Came out and basically uh, said, I don't give a crap if Bill Dundee sues me. Well, sues me. There's one guy that can take care of this. I stank a day on the way here when people asked me to compare Memphis wrestling uh, to now, to then. I say it's raw. It was raw. And I don't mean it's WWE raw, the Monday Night Show. It was raw. That deal that drew a sellout, the last ever sellout at the Mid-South Coliseum, was raw motion from Jared, from everybody, raw within that butt kicking he gave Jim. Especially how they brought, uh, Eddie came out and probably with a, if they had a picture from the back, he probably had a pack of red man chewing the back in his back yeah. uh, pocket and, and then they were gonna call Lawler. Eddie said, get him on, get Lawler on the phone, get Lawler on the phone. And that wouldn't know, it was raw. It was no fancy production. There was dead time. Certainly didn't seem rehearsed. And, and the bottom, well, what, do, yeah, and the bottom line of Memphis Wrestling 
Never real, as, real emotion, real emotion, and you didn't have to be fancy. And 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 today, maybe, but we're not doing it. It doesn't matter. And and back then, we think, look at it now, and we have and looked at the ring mat or the TV studio. And said, That's rinky did it thing. But back then, people just saw the wrestling in the territory they were in, and and it it was absolutely. Uh, you see what I'm saying? It was absolutely what the people were used yeah, to. Yeah, so they, they yeah. didn't think it was rinky-dink whatsoever. No, they, it was their passion. They believed in it on the edge of their seat. They were. Right. So, in your mind, when do you think you started watching Memphis wrestling? Uh, about 75, 76. So that, do you remember him and George? Yep, very, very little, very little. Of he wasn't here long. No. He flew the coop, man, after poor Bobby Chain passed away. Well, there's just so many, many, and I could have got more than five, but but I want five on uh, this uh, list. Any, uh, and there's so many people that was a big part of a career that's last uh, for five decades or longer. Is there any of the most influences? And you've read the book and the whole nine yards. Any people that you would uh, would. Think would I'm sure you agree with all five people that were going out Oh, absolutely. Anybody else that you would like to mention right now? Do you think we covered? It's just the territory. It's the Memphis. Every the the whole state, Indiana, and, you know, all all the Louisville, yeah. the Tupelos. You know, that that's Bill had said he liked Tupelo last week. Uh, yeah. Kind of favorite. He stuck here for a reason. I mean, this was home to him. This was his people. That I mean, Randy, you know, you drive to McDonald's or go to a restaurant with him, and ten people might come up. They start looking. They know exactly who he is, all ages. It's the craziest uh, thing when we're together and we are, are a lot. Most of the time, time I'm not recognized a lot. I was on TV a long time. But if I'm with Bill, they'll know, they'll, they'll recognize me and know my name. And say saying thing, but if I'm by myself, I think they associate yeah. us together. Drop one of the guys that are seen by 5 million people on a Monday night now. Anywhere, nobody will even give them a second glance. Oh, no, not at all. 30 years later, they'll still come up to this band shouting and ask a picture for grandma or uncle or is that a 19, 20 year old girl come up the other day. Well, she okay. knew who he was. That's, that, that's true. I've seen it time after time after time after time. Funny story, uh, real, real quick. Do you remember the wrestling fan um, in Memphis every Monday night? She, she was a uh, elderly black lady and she the came front row. with the cane. Yes, yes. Her name was Miss Lily. Yeah. Well, Bill and I was on Lamar Avenue and he's a McDonald's going and son of it. And I've ever seen him. He wants his coffee. Um, and I like McDonald's uh, too. So we go with in there and this uh, black uh, gentleman, probably a little younger than me, uh, maybe, maybe my age, but uh, so he was talking, knew both of us in that case. Just like I said, we were together. He knew uh, both of us, and he uh, he said, "So you know, I grew up the Mid-South Coliseum. Used to go to matches every week. My mom used to uh, sit on the front row and make a lot of racket, and became kind of part of the." Uh, of the show and Bill and I at the very exact same time said Miss Lil we, yeah. we knew I can't tell you how many fans Crazy Gail Lady Kojo uh, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of uh, dead gum uh, fans it was a part of the culture of the thing now here we how long we've gone do you want to say we can get five or six parts of, uh, out of uh, this do you do you want to and it's something I don't have to be here for to go over the list anyway. It'd be not, I've enjoyed this today, and your voice is held up. You've been lying to me. You tell me your voice is bad. You just want me to drive <laughs> forty five miles yeah, to get it. So how how do you feel? Do you want to just end with the uh, the most influential yeah. and save the rest? Yeah, we'll yeah. wind it down. And and, and uh, hey, why don't you come on back? It's been so good to hear the passion, yeah. the experience, all the knowledge. Can I get my plugs in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. On Twitter, I'm at RB Hales. On Facebook, it's Randy Hales, H-A-L-E-S. Or, you know, I'm known as the founder, the owner, 
and president of Power Pro Wrestling, and that went away in 2001, 17 years ago. And so uh, it's, it's pretty cool that I started a Facebook page on Power Pro Wrestling. It's at Power Pro Wrestling Book uh, on Facebook, and I am writing a book that I've changed my vision on. It was going to be the it's it was going to be the birth, life, and death of Power Pro uh, Wrestling. The 154 shows, three TV shows, and three years of Power Pro Wrestling, and it's come much bigger than that. It comes it's, it's turned into a life story, and my life uh, in Memphis wrestling started as a fan. Uh, so so that book's out there. Information, DVDs, all kind of stuff. All right, for all you chicken breeders out there, if you're looking for new chicken coops, you call Chicken Partners at telephone 336-391-9773, and you will get a hell of a deal, and you'll get 10% off, and tell them the superstar told you to call. All right, if you're all out there and you're looking for a new roof, why don't you give Baker Roofing a call at 901 Five seven four seven 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 five, and if you call that number, tell them the superstar told you to call. You'll get ten percent off your new roof. Hey, Randy, you need to uh, go ahead and we'll exchange information. But uh, the fans out there can go to Facebook to uh, actually Bill's group is Superstar Bill Dundee uh, Facebook group. Become a member, and there'll be some information. We'll get to them where they can uh, find out how to get the Power Pro DVDs that you just released. And, right. Uh, let them know when the next ones are coming, but we'll, we'll get and all the, the book, information. The book. Oh, when the is the book, book coming? And you know, I told you I changed gears. Right. Uh, I'm expanding it uh, with more personal stories, and I'm expanding it, and I researched. I was up, I forgot what time I left here yesterday, but I was up to 4 or 5 o'clock this morning researching and looking at results, and, and I, I was probably a little better today. Uh, than I would have been if we'd have done this yesterday because I did that. I have a good memory, but but I've been really looking um, at stuff and I'm going to expand it. Don't got I have a working title, uh, uh, the rise and final stand of, of Memphis wrestling. You know, I, I'm making it bigger. And Bill brought that up to me much uh, uh, ago because not everybody knows of Power Pro Wrestling. That was the last three years of the the run, but they know. Uh, about Memphis wrestling, and, and so we're going to expand that. It's pretty cool um, of what this territory meant to the culture of of the whole territory, not just Memphis. It's called the Memphis Territory. Uh, back in the uh, the day, it's certainly it was our biggest town, but this is more than just Memphis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, eight state, right? Right. And we drove them all. Heck of a. Uh, uh, deal. So, uh, you know, all the projects that I've done after wrestling went away, any wrestling projects that I've done, a lot of them uh, has been with uh, Bill. It was a fluke thing that I ended up helping you with with the the book, not to Mark, Mark James, but basically he'd come to your house and have a tape recorder and you, you don't, as I said, Bill don't have no patience no. at all. Wasn't going fast enough for me. Uh, so we talked about it, and I said I didn't do that. For uh, you, the way we did is is the stuff of the Tennessee territory. The way I didn't need to call him and and talk, and I can uh, I can speak where you think it's coming from from him. However, the Australia stuff, the early Bill uh, stuff, family stuff, uh, the moving to Chattanooga, Louisiana, everything. All of that, I had to ask questions, and so you, you probably got aggravated that I probably called you too much then. But I would write a chapter, um, email it to him. Uh, he'd read it. If something was factual, actually incorrect, he would say, "Hey, it didn't happen that that way." So I'm real proud of that book, and a lot of people rave reviews because in wrestling books. If you hadn't already realized this, there's a lot of bullshitters in the wrestling business. What? <laughs> can you cuss? <laughs> yeah, you can say um, whatever you want. A lot of bullshitters in the wrestling business. A lot of wrestling books that I've read, people that's close to us, maybe we talked about today, had stuff. I don't know if their memory's bad or they're just lying, but some of both probably. A bit of both. Uh, but that's the most honest wrestling book. Oh. And mine coming around, I deal more in my book about 
then we didn't deal in Bill because Bill absolutely don't have any demons in his past any bad stuff that he's done but I do and I talk about the demons my store story is not just a wrestling story it's about a kid with a dream uh, and it looked impossible who achieved the dream overachieved the dream and then it went away uh, with warts and all in the story the good and the bad it's a hell of a story and I think people enjoy it I hope November or December but now that it's the last minute in the second week of July, I thought I was done, just ready to go to the publishers. Now, I keep changing and keep adding, but I had fun. I enjoy your podcast. Have fun with it. like to come back sometime, and I always like talking wrestling and talking life and being around the superstar, often imitated. Never yeah, duplicated. Superstar <laughs> building D, the toughest person, pound for pound, on any son of a gun I know. Five foot seven. 207 pounds. The superstar, Bill Dundee. Gotcha. Well, Randy Benton, we thank you for being here. Rex, we always enjoy, enjoy you coming around. And my voice is still go, going away, Randy Benton. So I'll say cheerio to all you nice fo- folks hey, out there, and we see you next week. Hey, can I can I close this the way Lance Russell yeah, would close it? For Lex Luthor and superstar Bill Dundee for Lance Russell, Dave Brown, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, even George Barnes. This is Randy Hales saying bye-bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.